This is a special world report with a friend of Medjugorje. Patmos is the cave where John received the revelations 2,000 years ago. In that cave, God gave him something when Jesus appeared to him. And he didn't give it to him, not to give it to us. Many people teach in the intellectual side and professors and theologians were not to interpret it. And if we're not to look at it and learn from it, why did Jesus give it to John? And why did John give it to us? If John explains our moment that we live now, when he was still alive seeing this, seeing the revelations, how would he apply it to our time? How would he explain it? And what would he say to us of what he saw 2,000 years ago, of what he would know Now, when the time came, it would be like this. All Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, those of other beliefs and non-believers will cross the lines dividing them, beginning a unity of mankind such as the world has not experienced, united under one mother. Her words, her messages, will unite all languages under her mantle of motherhood. In this extraordinary special moment of world history, a portal from heaven has opened up, allowing the Virgin Mary to descend upon the earth and geographically designate a village, a place called Medjugorje, a favored physical place to export from heaven words with such power behind them that they cross over all boundaries of people across the whole world. What will be birthed as a result? A moment of awe, a starburst of grace for the world, bringing all the earth to a glorious moment, a realization in the heart of man of a heavenly mother who dwells upon the earth. Not only is this coming, But the manifestation of the Holy Virgin Mary's motherhood will become a known reality to all cultures and all peoples of the earth. It will impel the whole world to rise up and establish what is now established only in heaven, Our Lady's Queenship upon the earth. It was June 25th, 
1993. Our Lady keeps things in some of our messages not to be known completely, or maybe not at all, in the moment she gives it. Because some of it is to be revealed in the future. Just what John couldn't understand, but what now he just explained himself. If he was here, what he would say. As we progress through the years, the decades, and almost 40 years, we see things we couldn't see without being taught. Our Lady says, listen to me, I will teach you. That means for years she's been saying this and teaching us that we know now more than what we knew 10 years ago or 20 years ago we didn't know. And in the progression of these messages, where we have been operating in the spiritual realm and be taught by the spiritual realm, we begin to see and understand the physical realm. And then we also get the evidence of her reason for coming in the physical realm. Look what's happening in the world. John saw these things. Revelation gives us these things. We're in a moment that we have never seen before. How do we know that? Because on that date I just gave you, June 25th, 1993, Our Lady said, These times are particular. There are those messages that when I read them the first time, I'm struck by lightning, but I don't understand it. It's a mystery. But I can tell you where I was June 25th, 1993, when I was reading this message in front of St. James. To the right of it, walking away from the church. And I saw those words. These times are particular. And it was a mystery. But as time went on, I realized we were in a special time, unlike any time in 2,000 years of history, or even in world history. We're in an epoch time, is what are they saying? That means something different, something unique, something special. It's defined as an incredible moment in time, a particular time. The 1828 Webster Dictionary says, like Israel, epoch is a period, a biblical time, that they went through the passage of 40 years in the desert. Isn't that interesting that that's what they use in Webster? And we're going to 40 years, and at least has been bringing us out of modernism, the slavery of materialism, through messages as never before in the history of the world, and their last apparitions. The Israelites receive manna from heaven every day. We have been receiving manna every day since 1981. You have to contemplate what moment we live in right now. How grand, and at the same time, when I said November 6, 1988, when Our Lady speaking of God, Our Lady told Mariana concerning the seventh secret, which frightened her, and incited her to pray to Our Lady for mercy on mankind. Our Lady says, I have prayed. The punishment has been softened. Our Lady said, Repeated prayers and fasting reduce punishments from God, but it is not possible to avoid entirely the chastisement. Go into the streets of the city. Count those who glorify God and those who offend Him. God can no longer endure that. Violence has been committed against God's justice. We have a lot of people that don't want to talk about what's going on as far as the presidential races, the political environment now, the left and the right. 
I've said that and wrote recently again, and I want to repeat it because we have many people go to Medjugorje that only want the sweet stuff. Spiritual butterflies that go from one flower to the next, just wanting nectar. It was Maria, September 25th, a few days ago, that said many people who go to Medjugorje and come back and are bad witnesses. And why is that? She says, because they didn't live the messages. Ale is speaking to us in this particular time, epoch time, that you recognize there's no precedent and no duplicate will be done in the future. There are two big things released on October 1st, two days ago. One of those releases is going to be a confront to you who don't want to hear about what's going on in Washington and places like that. But there's some high officials in the Vatican who are very interested into it and who are making very strong statements. We've had people write to us, don't mix the Queen of Peace with these things. She's in the middle of it. It's ground zero. She's the patroness of the United States of America. Four consecrations here. Cross up the mountain. Embracing a cross that has written in its foundation for the soul of America. And you hear this everywhere now for the soul of America. And it came from the cross because this is ground zero in the spiritual realm for the healing in the United States of America. Not Washington, not the cathedral, not at the Vatican. It's right here. Our Lady complied with us because we complied with her. She's looking for plans and projects to be implemented. And we said yes. And many of you who come here said yes. And many of you who could not come here joined us and said yes. And not just in the United States of America, but countries all around us and around the world. We're starting our fast for nine days. What are we doing it for? For ourselves, our families, and our nation. For the healing. And we have people joining us in many different countries, not just the United States. So Cardinal Mueller, who was heading up the Vatican's Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, I've dealt with the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith on several issues. Before him was Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope. He made a statement on October 1st. And for those of you who wants to narrow down Medjugorje, down just to a few subjects, Cardinal Mueller contradicts that mentality. He says, quote, The outcome of the U.S. elections would determine whether the U.S. remains the leading power in the world for freedom, or will it be a communist dictatorship that's going to assume the role of the global community? That's a strong confront for those who think we shouldn't be speaking about these things. He continues, he says, American Catholics, Christians, and other denominations, and all people of faith must render an account to God over whom they make commander of the flagship of the free world. He's saying this about the United States of America. He's saying they need to be up there. We have to support them. They're our hope. That's exactly what the Cardinal meant. Is that enough to convince you? He continues, quote, The world is looking to America because the faithful election will determine the future of democracy and man's rights for the decades to come. We have so many Americans, naive, with wrong mentalities, that we think, oh, we think we're the best thing in the world. We are to all other nations. 
traveling overseas well over 200 times, people always look to us in admiration. The news would make you think everybody hates America. America is the light. It's the only country everybody is doing everything to get into it. Those of you who are always looking for faults in the United States of America, you're wrong. It's a blessed nation. It belongs to the Virgin Mary. There's flaws in everything because that happened in the Garden of Eden. He made many statements about America and the importance of the United States. You need to look this up and read it and study it because where it comes from has a huge bearing on correcting many mentalities. Cardinal Mueller went on to assert that the world looks to America today to be a beacon of truth, freedom, and justice as it has been historically. We're not hearing that. We're not hearing that from the Democrats. We're not hearing it from the left. And we're not even hearing it from a lot of Republicans. Because I always hear, oh, the United States is bad or it's not good. It is a blessed nation. Mueller says, quote, The free world owes the American people the salvation of Western civilization. That is an incredible statement coming from a cardinal in the Vatican. Because there's other cardinals on the other side of the Vatican saying just the opposite. And we'll cover that. That statement is big enough to repeat. Quote, The free world owes the American people the salvation of Western civilization, which has its foundation in the freedom and dignity of every person. And he continued and said, but this legacy is now being challenged. He even goes further than what he just said. Something remarkable. He says, quote, the slogan, America first, is justified and self-evident for every American. Cardinal Mueller said that October 1st, 2020. Write that in your journal. Then he wants to educate us as Americans. He wants to make every American understand one thing. Because America's nose is too close to the picture to see what they have. Foreigners can see it. Out there on the borders, they can see it. And every soul out there whose goodwill can see it. Mueller says, quote, Every American must know that his country is the world's number one power, militarily, scientifically, and economically. And because the U.S. is the first power in the free world, it must also put a stop to the imperialist grip of communists. And then Mueller talks about those who differ from him, especially in the Vatican and in the church and the hierarchy and the bishops across the world. He said, quote, In this regard, the leaders of the Catholic Church must also see the deeper dimensions of what is at stake at this moment in world history. Dear children, these times are particular. And what I didn't quote before in regards to the 1993 message, she adds, And therefore, I am with you to love and protect you, to protect your hearts from Satan, and to bring you all closer to my heart and my son Jesus. What is our lady here for? John tells us. He shows us. She's dead set right in the middle of Revelation. 
When I was in that cave, I ended up finding out where Our Lady was in chapter 12. She's smack dab in the middle of Revelations. And what is this coming? It's her second coming. And if she has a second coming, like she did the first coming, who Jesus came after her, there's going to be a second coming of Jesus. She is here to reveal in this particular epoch moment that there is no other duplicate of this. Here's Mueller echoing Our Lady, particular time when he says the moment of world history. So I'd like to just jump in here for just a second. I'm curious as to your bringing up Cardinal Mueller, who was the former head of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. So I'm just curious why you're bringing Mueller up, because at one point in time, Cardinal Mueller was going to condemn some things that you had written. And not only your writings, but also you were going to be condemned. So I'm just curious why you're bringing Mueller up now, and would you be willing to tell people about that particular circumstance that happened? I had meetings with different people in the Vatican, Cardinal Burke and Cardinal Trulio, just different because we was going to Rome a lot. I was familiar with the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith and even Cardinal Ratzinger, uh, which were part of church history. Through Ratzinger, through John Paul, there were some rulings made, which I'm not going to go into detail about that. But as far as Cardinal Mueller, who followed up as ahead of it, the book they find the first shot was brought before him. Evidently, there was a review team that looked at it and said that this needed to be stopped and condemned and that I was to be condemned for it. They find the first shot is everything what he is supporting was in that. They find the first shot lays out all the deep state in detail. Thousands of people being put in by Obama in two departments. It was backed up with facts, the evidence, the executive orders, how they manipulate some laws. All of it was laid out. That was the first exposure of what Obama was doing. If you go on Amazon, you'll see on They Fight the First Shot several hundred reviews that people said that they'd never read anything like this. It was a life changer. It opened up their eyes to everything. But that was 2012. It didn't open most people's eyes till 16, 18, and to now. Because everything happened is in that book. This is what was going to happen with the government. So Mueller was pressured by people, what I assume pressured, by some group of people to condemn me and that. And that was going to happen. And it was on the verge of happening. And one bishop stood up and said, you're not going to do that. You can't do that. And it was stopped. But our lady said expose evil. And if there's evil around, and I'm not saying Mueller was evil, but I always remember around every authority that has power, you have a curtain of power that gravitates to them to influence. So I never held that against Mueller, but about the curtain of power. But anyway, that was broken down. And now what you just heard about Mueller, he's completely saying everything I said and wrote and they fired the first shot, totally in support of it. And what he says now, his positions reflect everything, and they fired the first shot. So how much of that do you think is from Mueller reading the book and changing his mind, or knowing a lot of the things that we know about what's happening in the church now? Is it possible also that Mueller didn't necessarily 
disagree with what you wrote, but he was merely testing to see what side people were on now that we know more about what's really happening in the church? Well, I can't conjecture that because I don't know. And I'm not going to say what I don't know. I'm going to tell you only what I know. I know the messages. I know what the messages show me and what I expose evil. And people from there, they can go for that point. But what I can say is we repeatedly see common people, people with authority, people who have great positions, has been influenced by what we put out and write. And what I live in the messages and showing people how to change the direction of life. Because it's a lady, it's not me. I'm just following her. And if you want to follow what I manifested, we have many people of all cultures across the board of being wealthy down to poor. That what I has showed me that there's radical different changes in their life. Well, before we move on, I just want to remind you also that They Fired the First Shot, 2012, was written. You had a copy sent to every bishop in the United States. You also told everyone who read the book to send the book to their bishops. And in Louisiana, there's quite a, a lot of Catholics, obviously, who jumped on the bandwagon, very enthusiastic about the book, very excited. And you recall that it started a whole movement with the new communities, conventions that you started here. And it was always to align themselves with their bishops and their sheriffs. So the Louisiana bishops were getting a lot of feedback from their parishioners in their diocese. And you have a very good friend who's a priest in Louisiana. And sometime, I believe it was in the year 2013, a year after the book was produced. And he told you, because he was in with meetings with bishops, that the bishops of Louisiana were about ready to condemn the book. And he was warning you to prepare yourselves for that. It never came to anything. We kept waiting month after month and nothing happened from it. And you were ready to defend what you wrote because you knew that there was nothing heretical, that everything you wrote was researched and the truth. So in all likelihood that Cardinal Mueller, being in, in a position of the church, would have heard about this book, not only from the Louisiana bishops, but probably from quite a lot of bishops around the country. I've been very clear on explaining the United States leads the world. And there's a lot of people in the United States that even if we are, we shouldn't be doing that. And yet Mueller says the outcome of the U.S. elections determines whether or not we remain the power of the world. And he's for that. And he says it has to happen. We have to have the leadership of the United States for the world to stay. I've written many times, as go the United States, so goes the world. There's a whole trail of writings and broadcasts for 35 years blowing this trumpet. And that's a big deal for a cardinal to say that. Can he be right? Sure, he can be right. If you match it to the messages, Mueller knows that if we're destroyed, the whole world goes down. When Mueller alluded to the fact if the United States is destroyed, the whole world will go with it. Our Lady just told us, September 25th, 2020, God is sending me to save you and the earth on which you live. If you have to destroy the earth, the whole world, you go to the powerhouse. So we are in a time 
that is apocalyptic. What does that look like? It looks like what you see in the streets. Washington, D.C., riots, burning buildings, burning a church down, all the place, Portland, Washington, California, all these cities, Wisconsin. We certainly can say something is brewing. Everything's heating up. I have a friend in New York, very high profile and producing documentaries, not on a side television, but on the top of the food chain. He lives on Long Island, and he hasn't been into New York, Manhattan since December. He told me he just went down there last week. He was shocked. He could drive down the avenues, no traffic. It looked like a ghost town. He was blown away. He'd never seen it. He's in his 60s. He's never seen anything like it. It's like a war zone. Everybody's abandoned it. He said all the buildings were dark. People were wearing masks, like poison gases out. He said post-apocalyptic. And he expressed to me they could never imagine something like that could happen. And I told him, just somebody told you 10 months ago that you were going to see this. You couldn't believe it. You can't expect that. Our ladies tell us these things are happening. Well, she said June 24th, 1983, so that my son may not punish the world. I plead with you to be converted. And that's what this is about. And what it's about, God is sending our lady for a revolution, literally, against another revolution for darkness. The clash between both was stated and defined August 2nd, 1981. You know what I'm going to say, but in the context, you need to hear it and think about these things. And I said, a great struggle is about to unfold between my son and Satan, human souls at stake. We see this now in the physical realm. And he witnessed that in Manhattan, and that's just from Corona. And this man's not into Medjugorje like we are. So people are starting to see that, and they have to pick which side they're going to. So you got a revolution versus a revolution. And right now, they started it. You can see where the earth is hungering for peace. You have the riots, all the blood. Everything's in the air. And they're rising up. And they're getting stronger and stronger. And ladies on the other side to do the same thing for us. For us to rise up. For us to be a counter-revolution. Because we're in a particular time, everything's on the line. They're igniting fires. And Our Lady is calling us to be a witness, to speak out, to be strong, not to be silent, but to push back. April 17th, 1986, Our Lady said, pray fast, let God act. That's 1986. Jump to 2014, May 2nd. My apostles pray and act. That was for 33 years that we were to pray and fast and then let God act. And it's the 33rd year, and it's now, Our Lady says at that date of 2014, my apostles, you pray and act. Our Lady understands what she's asking us because she said May 2nd, 2014, the same message when she said pray and act. She says, small is the number of those who understand and follow me. Great is the number of those who are lost. So we're in revolution time, and it's time you start realizing and revolting back. The earth hungers for blood. There's a riot in us. 
struggle is about to unfold. Did you notice the song said, we are rising up, and then right after that, the next line, we're rising up, two groups rising up. Every time it's said in the song, it said it twice. This revolution represents two sides, the light and the dark. We're rising up? No, we're rising up. Who's going to win? We're never going to win if we continue living mediocre Christianity and our bishops be silent. Silence is the greatest contribution for us to lose a revolution. 
but they say in the song only one time. They don't say it twice. One moment in time. See, they even talk at a particular time. One moment in time to carve our names with fire. That's one side's doing it. They're doing that. They're stronger than us. They're confronting us on every level. And our conviction and our speaking out and standing up is abetting them. In 1997, you wrote a Caritas newsletter, which is now a short book you can get called Entering a New Time. And you gave the parable of the sower, the sowing of the wheat. And this is what you wrote about it. You said, for 2,000 years, the crop of wheat has been growing, but with it has been sown weeds. Is the time of harvest near? And you continue saying, the Virgin Mary marks man's history on August the 2nd, 1981, and reveals a message that gave the okay to begin harvesting and to separate the wheat from the weeds. Her message, August 2nd, 1981, a great struggle is about to unfold, the struggle between my son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. And you continue writing, saying, Jesus and Satan were getting souls before this date. So why is this so significant? This message signifies that while souls were being won on both sides, the great harvest of the weeds and wheat growing together will no longer be the case. And then you continued saying, This message of August the 2nd, 1981 announces that harvest time is rapidly approaching. Each of us must decide by our lives if we are wheat or weeds. And then you finished the explanation of the parable by saying this, This time is urgent unlike any since Christ's time, and Our Lady wants Jesus to have our souls at the harvest. But can it be argued that every generation needs redeeming? Why should one think or accept that, that this is a particular time in history? Because Our Lady says so, June 25, 1993. Dear children, these times are particular, and therefore I am with you to love and protect you. And you end it saying, What can it be other then a harvest that God sends Mary to protect us until we are harvested. The reason we bring this up is because in the context of what you're speaking about now, that what you wrote about 23 years ago, only informed by the message and nothing else, you had this understanding that a harvest was about to happen. Are you seeing that what's happening right now is the manifestation of that harvest that's taking place. It's very clear is what's happening. Our Lady says God speaks through nature, through man, in various other ways. And so even the song speaks to us. It's got two revolutions. Who's going to rise up? Our Lady's here to rise us up because if we didn't, we're destroyed. Archbishop Vergano was interviewed October 1st, 2020. We assume Mueller was just after that. His interview and some of his thoughts are parallel in many ways with Vagano. And, of course, he's been speaking about things in the church. He's an insider, as Mueller is. But Vagano, for the last couple of years, has been exposing many things. He was the pronuncio of the United States of America. He's purely Italian. He loves the United States. He sees as his office, as the pro was one of the most important things he did. He says in this interview, Pope Benedict told Vagano, I am certain that your knowledge of this great country will help you to undertake the demanding challenge of this work 
which in many ways will prove decisive for the future of the universal church. It's amazing. In the interview, Vagano says, My official assignment in that immense and beloved country has ended, but the challenge to which Pope Benedict referred to almost prophetically, remember this was just a few days ago, prophetically and in which he chose to involve me is still present more than ever. Indeed, it has become ever more dramatic, taking on tremendous dimensions. The destiny of the world is being played out at this hour precisely on the American front. Did you grasp that? Contemplate that. Vagano is saying the destiny of the world is being played out on this hour precisely on the American front. Is that why I lady accepted in the field of apparitions? Our consecration for the United States of America? We've had people writing to us. She doesn't favor any country over another. Why is the battle over this country? You make your own decision. And for that kind of mentality, if somebody would say that to us, they do not understand what's going on in the world today. And Vagano says, quote, Now that I am free from my official assignments, the inspiration confided to me by Pope Benedict permits me to address President Trump with the utmost freedom. He continues, quote, Pointing out his role, Trump's, in the national and international context and how decisive his mission is in the epochal confrontation. There it is, epochal confrontation that has been unfolded in recent months. That echoes what Arlene says, you're in a particular time. Epochal time. And he relates this as a confrontation time. He continues in this very important interview, he says, It appears today that the Holy See is being assaulted by enemy forces. I speak as a bishop, as a successor of the apostles. And then he says, The silence of the shepherds is deafening and upsetting. I would add to that, traditional, because that silence is sending many people to hell. Vagano continues, says, some bishops even prefer to support the new world order, aligning themselves with the position of those who frequent the Bilderberg Club, which is contributors to the new world order, as well as the mainstream media. What Vagano says about the mainstream is really the voice of the devil, lion voices. A lady gave us a message on October 2nd, 2014. And you've heard it. It's referencing the signs of the times. But Our Lady adds to that something very important. She asked the question, Do you not recognize the signs of the times? Put that 2,000 years ago in the context of Jesus says, Look for the signs of the times. And then Our Lady says here today, in 2014, and now for us to read in 2020, Do you not recognize the signs of the times? Do you not recognize that all of this that is around you? Now remember, she's saying this, knowing what's coming in 2020, back there in 2014 when she gave the message. Do you not recognize that all of this that is around you, all that is happening? And then she gives the answer for why all this is happening. 
in a brief statement, she says, is because, and then she says why, in just four words, there is no love. That's the basis of it. We've lost that. Why? Because the family's destroyed. The family doesn't exchange love that passes on to children to the next generations. And now look what we inherit. And because a lady says she's love, she tells us on July 3rd, 2009, I need everyone in this world to be my extended hands. She needs for us to wake up. She said that February 25th, 2000. Wake up from the sleep of unbelief and sin. All these things are the grace for the healing of the world. I must have dreamed a thousand dreams Been haunted by a million screams But I can hear the marching feet They're moving into the street song says this is the world we live in and these are the hands we're giving 
as the message was stated before the song, a lady said, everywhere in this world to be my extended hands. The words of the song says, tell me why this is the land of confusion. This is the world we live in. And these are the hands we're given. And so our land, America, is in trouble. Magano stated in his interview, I am persuaded that everything I denounced in my open letter to President Trump last June is still valid. Vagano got a lot of resistance. That's why he said that. It is still valid and can form an interpretive key to understand the events that we are living through now. It remains an invitation to have hope. He adds after that, the Catholic Church in America, both in relation to the presidential elections and more generally, appears to be split. He says the Pope says that dividing is a work of the devil, but the fracturing of the American Episcopate is obvious. And he asks what is happening, and it's true. I talk to bishops that say that they have to be silenced. I just recently talked to priests that he can't say what he needs to say from the pulpit. We just heard of another priest. He wanted to get rid of liberalized religious books which teach contrary things to the Catholic Church. The lay teachers went to the bishop, and the bishop told the priest to pack his bags. So Vagano talking about the Episcopate is obviously fractured the same way as America. And Vagano continues, says, This split in the United States, which today has become even more obvious as the presidential election approaches, is also widespread in Europe and Italy. Oh, you mean so the places too? Of course it is. We're here from all over the world. This is happening everywhere. And he continues after he says Europe and Italy, the highest levels of the church have desired to make a radical and, in my opinion, unfortunate choice for preferring to follow the mainstream through the environmentalism, immigrationism, and abominable ideology, rather than courageously standing up against them and proclaiming the Savitic truth announced by our Lord. And this is true. This isn't just coming something we're learning from Vagano. We know these things. If you know what's going on in the church, you'll see this. Our lady's here because the church is in trouble. I've said it for years, decades, that had Our Lady not come, the church would have been destroyed. But Jesus promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. April 2nd, 2005, Our Lady says, At this moment, I ask you to renew the church. On May 5th, 2014, she says, Pray for my intentions and my plans that I desire to realize with the world, with this parish, and with my church. December 2nd, 2015, Our Lady says, Now the church is suffering and needs apostles who by love and unity and witnessing shows the way to God. That's what we are. That's what the lay people are. That's what Vagana is pointing to. And Mueller in the same spirit. Our Lady continues, The church needs apostles. It needs you, my apostles of love. Vagano addresses the division in the church. Quote, It is true that division is the work of the devil. So he's agreeing with the Pope, in which the Pope said that dividing is the work of the devil. Vagano continues, Satan sows division 
between man and his creator, between the soul and grace. The Lord, however, does not divide, but rather separates. He creates a boundary between the city of God and the city of Satan, between those who serve the Lord and those who fight against him. He himself will separate the just from the wicked on the day of judgment, separating the light from the darkness, good from evil. And Vagano adds, It is also necessary to separate when we choose who best protects the rights and the faith of Catholics. Vagano also quotes Archbishop Fultasheen. He quotes him saying, The refusal to take sides on great moral issues is itself a decision. Sheen continues, It is a silent acquiescence to evil. The tragedy of our time is those who believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. It's true. That's where we are. Then Vigano adds to that, We learn to separate who is with Christ from who is against him, since it is not possible to serve two masters. Then the reporter interviewing Vigano asked, You have spoken of the deep church. Is it really possible that one exists? Who composes it? Vigano answers, The expression deep church gives a good idea of what is happening in parallel at the political and ecclesial level. The strategy is the same, just as the goals are the same in the final analysis that is behind it. In this sense, the deep church is for the church what the deep state is for the state. A foreign body that is illegal, subversive, and deprived of any sort of democratic legitimacy that uses the institution in which it is embedded to achieve goals that are diametrically opposed to the goals of the institution itself. So Vagano has been there. He's been at the Vatican. He's been the pronuncio. He sees the United States. He sees the deep state. He sees the same thing in the Catholic Church. And it's their subversive efforts to destroy the goals of the institution itself that it's supposed to. That's a profound statement. Now I want to reround this and listen to this and get this in your heart. This is what's happening. I want to jump in here just because there are a few things that really struck me in this interview with Archbishop Vigano. First of all, just at the very beginning when he reveals that at the time he was placed as the pronuncio of the United States, that Pope Benedict shared with him his conviction that Pope Benedict believed this was a providential move to put Archbishop Vigano in this position, which shows an alignment between the two of them. And who are they connected to? They're connected to the pontificate of John Paul II. You already mentioned this statement that said by Archbishop Vigano, quote, I am persuaded that everything I denounced in my open letter to President Trump last June is still valid and can form an interpretive key to understanding the events that we are living through. 
the reason that jumped out at me is because I've been working with you on updating and expanding your 10 Secrets book that you originally wrote in 1999. And that phrase, interpretive key, was what John Paul believed that the interpretive key of his whole pontificate was in preparing the church to enter into the new millennium. Everything that he did in his pontificate, that was the crowning event in his eyes. The Jubilee year in which he entrusted the next 1,000 years to Our Lady. You were a witness to that. You were there in Rome when that entrustment happened. You were with Maria at the time. You were there praying in the Vatican in front of the statue that they flew from Fatima to be present for that moment. It was a historical moment, but also a spiritual bomb that was initiated leading us to this time. John Paul stood against the evil empire with Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan in the physical realm, as you always say, John Paul in the spiritual realm. They were the witnesses to the time we're living in that we're supposed to be acting in. So Vigano connected to Pope Benedict the day that he was announced as the Pope after John Paul's death, you spoke to Maria and you asked her what she thought of that. And she said, with relief in her voice, the church is still safe right now. So John Paul, Pope Benedict, Archbishop Vigano all shared an understanding of the importance of the United States in this war between good and evil, light and dark. A Polish man, a German man, Italian man. And that view has been articulated more strongly than anyone I have ever heard it articulated from you through all of these years. So he's saying, again, going back to the text of this interview, that the interpretive key to understanding the events that we are living through can be found in the letter he wrote to Trump in June. You've spoken about that in just in a few words. He's talking that we are witnessing the formation of two opposing sides that I would call biblical, the children of light and the children of darkness. Again, he says, these two sides which have a biblical nature follow the clear separation between the offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent. And, of course, you brought this up a couple of broadcasts ago where this gentleman from Canada actually did a analysis comparing what Vigano wrote in his letter to Trump and what you wrote in Big Q, Little Q that you published in 2019, which was 15 months before Vigano's letter came out to Trump. And this intrigued this man. He wasn't, he's not in an agreement with either one of you because he doesn't like Trump. But he's intrigued, even perplexed, because when you read the article, you come to the conclusion that he believes Vigano is influenced by what a friend of Medjugorje has written and that their alignment of thought is almost as if one of them could start a sentence and the other would complete it. So what I'm seeing here is this parallel course of what these 
holy bishops in the church have been on one parallel path, and you've been on another. So let me just go through a little bit of the history, just just of your involvement, of your own mentality, of where you've where you are today. You grew up in Alabama, patriotic state. You were the son of a Italian man, loved your faith, strong Catholic. You were the son of a World War II veteran. You were mentored by your father and other men in your neighborhood during a very chaotic time, coming out of World War II, going into the Cold War, the Cuban Missile Crisis, President Kennedy's assassination, his brother Robert's assassination, the riots in of the 60s, Martin Luther King's assassination, the threat of nuclear war. This was not a nice time to be living, but it certainly shaped and formed you into who you became before Our Lady chose you. Then Our Lady came, years later, appearing in this field on Thanksgiving Day, connecting everything that she did here to the calling back of this nation to return to God. You, in this mission that she calls you to start, so much of what you've done is to bring revival back to this land. The Patriotic Rosary you started in 1995, still going strong. The Novenas to reconcile ourselves, our families, and our nation back to God. Again, 1993, still going strong. The five days of prayer in December and other five days of prayer throughout these past years, still going strong. The consecrations of the United States, when Maria's been present here, bringing Our Lady's presence here four different times, these consecrations to the United States given to Our Lady in her presence. The cross that was built for the soul of America given to Our Lady, where she appeared at this cross on two different occasions for the purpose, praying for this nation's return to God. The many writings, the many books, countless broadcasts, laying out the importance of this country in Our Lady's plans that must happen for Our Lady's plans to be victorious. Which brings me to seeing that in these two parallel paths, we're seeing an intersection happening that has slowly been being brought together. And if you say, as Archbishop Vagano said, this interpretive key could be found in Trump's letter, I would say the interpretive key to understanding the events that we're living through that you produced is in the school presentation you wrote on September 28, 2017, in the end of the hundred years of Satan, in which Our Lady was coming into her time. When you talk about the separation and that each side, light and dark, has all of these fractions that slowly, through events and circumstances, form more and more into unity on one side and the other. The children of light, the children of dark, the same verbiage again that is in Vigano's letter. And just to remind those and inform those who may not know, Archbishop Vigano is Maria's uncle by marriage. A friend of Medjugorje has been with Archbishop Vigano in the past through being present when he's been at Maria's house. Uh, they were together for a week, 
And it is interesting that in this interview, he does say that Satan has been unchained. That is a direct message given to Maria on January 1st, 2001. So just as Ray has brought up early in the program, that you knew that this was a time of harvest coming. We are there at, at the real time of harvest. And the writing that I've been speaking of, we're going to present here now. So listen carefully and enter into these words because they move me every time I hear it. First step, seeds division, a breaking apart of many fractions and ways, farther and farther they grow from each other. The great separation begins to build alliances with other fractions. Slowly, the great separation begins to unite multiple groups to outpower other groups. The group fractions unite under the principle they must gravitate toward involuntarily joining together to become more powerful. They become more one in propagating what they represent. From hundreds of different group fractions, separation begins to diminish their numbers. Unity of purpose begins to form these many bodies into lesser and lesser group fractions. The inescapable principle unwritten, always active, moves everything towards a destination they know not. Yet they know and feel its time begins to arrive. The moment comes out of hundreds when the great division whittles down to only two groups, two fractions of which the inescapable principle delivers them to. Welcomed or unwelcomed, it arrives. The side of light the side of darkness, love versus hate. This principle throughout history, time and again, goes around and comes around to divide and unite men. Never in history are there so many numbers of people who will be crushed, pushed, forced into two opposing groups. A time of the witnessing of both groups whose stars will show their light or darkness to attract and complete the separation for unity. One will lose, one will prevail. The one who appears to be the weakest will grow to be the strongest and will win. There will arise a new people, a new world, a new kingdom confounding all those in the dark, because darkness had the power to bring them before the assembly and have them martyred, both in life and by death. Yet they will grow into a kingdom, not out of armies and boundaries of land, a passing into the courts of the kingdom of the earth, unencumbered. Their belief will spread like air everywhere 
unstoppable. These people will be in every breath one takes and consume the whole world. Our Lady's plans develop not by blueprints, rather by boots on the ground. Cognition of real-life experiences will bring about a time, a time of Mary, transitioning at this moment to a time of choice, a time of election, a time of selection. Choice, election, selection. These three elements that bring about the unity are brought down to two groups, both sides knowing who will win this battle. The nation of the boot, who arose and was empowered, who was the greatest in the world, fell not by the sword, but by the heart. The seeds of division, brought to Rome by only a few, began the separation. The Roman Empire, by the middle of the first century, consists of 1,000 Christians. The Roman Empire around 100 AD consisted of 7,500 Christians. By 300 AD, there were 6 million Christians. By 350 AD, the Roman Empire of 60 million consisted of 33 million Christians. The blood of the people of the cross, of the country of the boot, its Gentiles became with all its growing branches across the world, united to the vine, gave life and dominated and conquered the Roman Empire. Its tree produced a fruit of division that united the world before and will now again in this time achieve the same. What is martyrdom? It is defined by witness, answered by the call to separate for unity, following the heritage of the country of the boot, the people of the boot, asked into being by the lady of this time. You are chosen. You are elected. You are selected. You are the Caritas community. Elected to change the whole world. By the call in that faithful month of October. Witness by your life. A friend of Medjugorje, September 28, 2017 AD. Closing, the finality, the last stage shall be on. In our amphitheater, a spiritual history of the apparitions of the Virgin Mary, we're on a stage of the great epic battle, the final battle to the Virgin Mary and the serpent and the crushing of his head, defined by August 2nd, 1981, that a great struggle is about to unfold between my son, 
and Satan, human souls are at stake. And we're at the pivotal point of the baton being passed of destinies from Satan to the time of the century of the Virgin Mary. recommend to you to go deep into what's been said. There's several more very important things Vergano said. You can look up October 1st, 2020, Vergano's interview with the Italian newspaper. It's worth reading because all these things that's been discussed tonight is intertwined. Lastly, I want to invite you for October 19th to October 24th. We have had thousands of people through the years who have come here and testified they had a Medjugorje experience and even a Medjugorje conversion. So we're going to do an official pilgrimage those those days. And you can call Caritas and sign up for that. Contemplate this broadcast, everything we spoke about, to understand, comprehend, and know that separation is good when it's from God because it leads to unity. We wish you a lady. We love you. Good night. <laughs>